others would receive it, have open hearts and open minds. Amen? Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you for just another opportunity to come into your house, God. As we prayed and sang earlier, this is a house of miracles, Father. We are all miracles sitting in these chairs, Father. We really are. And God, we just pray right now that as we look into your word, that you would give an anointing to those here in person, to those watching on the live stream, and to those that might watch and listen to at a later time, to understand your word, to make it relevant to our current circumstances, God. And that you would move in power, God, that you would fill us with your power. And Lord, that we would leave this place and cause change in our own lives, in our own families, in our own workplace. We give you glory and we give you honor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 So, as you know, we are currently going through the book of Revelation. And so we were going to continue that this morning. Um, I've entitled the message for today, Clean Slate, Wiping Away the Bad. How many of you in here would love the idea of having a clean slate? Isn't it just such a great thought? Four of you raised your hand. The rest of you just must have amazing lives. You've never done anything that you wish could be erased or, man. But we do, we, that idea of having a clean slate is just an amazing feeling. And, um, and that's what we're going to talk about. We're going to look at um, Revelation chapter 9. And we're going to look at the following trumpets of judgment that God has for the time of tribulation. But we're going to look to now. It's going to happen. But God has something for us now. We're not yet there. We're moving our way towards there. But God has a word right now for his church. Amen? Amen. And so, um, how many of you out there love superhero movies? Anyone? You love the superhero? My favorite person was Superman growing up. But... Um, <laughs> I want to talk about a movie that came out that was very popular. It was, um, it was called The Dark Knight Rises, and it made a lot of money in theater, and it was about Batman. And so there was this scene in the movie that was really interesting. We have this character, Catwoman, whose name in the movie was Selina, and she didn't have a great past. She did things that she regretted. She said things that she regretted. And as she grew older, the things in her past affected her future. She couldn't get a job. People looked at her differently when they found out the things that she had done. And she heard a rumor that they had um, a thing called the Clean Slate. It was this company that invented a USB-type thing where you could put a software, put your name in it, and it would wipe away everything that you did. Everything on the Internet, everything that people would type in, and your name would come up, it would delete it all. And so she risked her life in search of this thing. So the movie is about her breaking into people's homes and, and risking her own life. She even betrayed Batman himself to get her hands on this. And we have a man in the movie named John Daggett who, who supposedly got his hands on the software. And so she turned all her focus to him and she broke into a, a rather high-end party at his, in his mansion. And we see this scene where she pins him in the room and she looks at his eyes and she says, where is it? To which he replies, he knew exactly what she was looking for. He had this smirk on his face, and he replied sarcastically, the clean slate? He goes, where you type in someone's name, date of birth, and in a few minutes, gone from every database on earth? And then he smirked at her and said, sound a little too good to be true? And you could see her complex change. And she looked at him and yelled, you're lying. And she said, right king data took it to the prototype stage. But then he replied and said, that's why I bought them the company, but they had nothing. It was a gangland myth. 
And you see her face change because everything she was risking and, and, and going for to get her name cleared, to get this clean slate so she could live a new life was gone. But then later on in the movie, you see her come face to face with Bruce Wayne, who's, who's Batman, and the person who she betrayed and he almost died. And he comes and sees her and they're standing in front of each other, facing each other. And he looks at her and says, I need your help. She looks at him and says, and why would I help you? And he says, for this. And he holds up the device, the clean slate. She looks at him and says, you trust me with that after what I did to you? And Bruce looks at her and says, I'll admit I was a little let down, but I think there is still more to you. In fact, what I think for you, it's not just a tool. You want a fresh start. How many in here this morning want a fresh start? How many of you here love the idea of a fresh start? Well, we don't have that device here at Victory. We don't have a thing where you can plug into and, and, and erase all of the things that you've said and all the things that you've done. One of the reasons why I got off social media was because of things I posted out of frustration and then had to delete, but got in arguments. And so for me, I just had to wipe it clean. But how many in here have said something, and whether it was posting it or whether they said it to someone in a text and you can't take it back and it did damage? How many of you in here have done something to someone and it's caused damage, whether it's a family member or a friend? How many in here have just done something that only you know about and you just can't shake the damage that it's caused in your families or even in your own mind? Well, we may not have a USB that you can plug into and erase all of that, but we want to tell you about something this morning that can give you a spiritually clean slate. And it's called repentance. You know, I think in the church, we get nervous about that idea of repentance because we see the signs of crazy people standing in the street yelling it and having it in red letters, all caps lock with exclamation points. And so we've kind of like shied away from it. But repentance in the spiritual kingdom of God is something that wipes everything that you've done and everything that you've said clean. And what that means is when we repent before God for all the things that we've done, he looks at us as if we've never done it. And he still gives us the inheritance as his children. He doesn't withhold it. And that's a powerful thing, isn't it? And so that's what we're going to talk about this morning. We're going to um, read through Revelation chapter 9. That's where we're going to be in. We're going to focus on the last two verses. But just want to do a quick review so you remember where we are. That word repent um, in the Greek literally means to think differently or to think differently afterwards. It means to reconsider, but it also means to feel guilt. Repentance for someone who is a Christian is so important, not just to do once, not just to do twice. We have to be in a constant state of repentance because we're in a constant state of sinning as human beings. But when we learn how to genuinely uh, repent before God, he does something that the rest of the world doesn't do. You know, I shared in the first service, you can look at our culture and our world, and what companies are doing is they are going back in people's pasts, and they're going back into their social media posts from 15, 20 years ago, and they're bringing it up and putting it on blast, and they're disciplining them for something that they've done 20 years ago, or they're not allowing them to continue in their job because of something that they've said. While some of that may be valid, depending on the case, that's what the world does. They say, you can't do this, you can't lead this because you said this or you did this this many years ago. 
But in the kingdom of God, when we repent, he looks at your life. doesn't matter what you've said. It doesn't matter what you've done. But I still have a calling for your life, and you're still going to fulfill it. Amen? And that's what we want to walk in as a church. People may cancel you out. People may cut you out. But God, when we come to him in repentance, giving him everything, he restores to us the things that we've lost. Amen? In the tribulation, we are going to see a massive amount of, of, of tribulation and trials that are going to happen on this world. And it's going to affect the globe. We are coming out of this pandemic, thank God, but a lot of families and every nation has been affected by this. This isn't just the United States. It's been on a global effect. And it's not to downgrade COVID or what's happened because I even know friends who, a close friend of mine lost his father to COVID and, and it's a very serious thing. But this is a taste, just a small taste of what's going to happen when the tribulation comes. And so in the time we've talked about different seals, trumpets, and bowls, seven of each that are going to be judgments that are going to be poured out over this world. And so a few weeks ago, we looked at the seals. Pastor Richard, a couple weeks ago, started with the trumpets. And so this morning, we're going to look at the last few, and we're going to tie it in and see what it has to do with the church nowadays. Amen? And so we had, we had the seals, and now we're in the trumpets. And so just again for a review... When the first trumpet was blown, this is what was going to happen on the earth, or what will happen. Hail and fire mixed with blood will be thrown upon the earth, and it'll burn up a third of the earth, a third of the trees, and all of the green grass. So just from the first trumpet that's blown, it is going to drastically change the physical landscape of the globe. Imagine what that's going to do to the economy, to vegetation, to food, to commerce. And that's just the first one. When the second trumpet sounds, it says something like a great mountain was thrown into the sea and a third of the oceans became blood, which will cause a third of living sea creatures to die along with a third of ships that would be destroyed. And Pastor gave the number of ships that, there, that are, are projected to have been on, in the ocean from a few years back. And how many of you remember that one boat that blocked the canal just a few weeks ago? You guys remember that? That captain had one job to do, not get the ship stuck and he got it stuck. And it affected the globe, though. Remember that? Like, they were showing satellite images of all these other ships that couldn't pass through this one canal. And the, the world was losing billions of dollars a day for this, this ship that was stuck. And they were using all the manpower they could to get this thing blocked. And finally, when they did, nothing changed right away. There's, we're still having an effect from that one ship. Now, imagine a third of the ships being wiped out. We have no idea how massive this is going to affect the globe on an economic level. It is going to be so destructive to everything that we know. And that's only the second trumpet. You know, something that I've never seen in my years of living is how many gamers out there, do you have an Xbox, a PlayStation? I do have one. And um, something I've never seen is that they, uh, Sony and Microsoft just released the two newest consoles, the Xbox Series X and the PlayStation 5. And because of the global disruption, because of COVID, they cannot make enough consoles for the demand. And what's happening is places like Walmart and Target, they're getting these restocks, but they're selling out in seconds. I remember I even put to, um, money aside and I was ready to get it. And every time I would go on, it was in seconds that they would be sold out. 
One of the issues was they couldn't get enough people because of COVID. Another issue was because people were using bots to purchase massive amounts that they could resell them for double the amount. And then the third reason, with the most important, was there's a, there's a giant chip shortage in our world that we don't realize. Do you realize how many things are run by chips in our world? Our phones, our car keys. Some of you have those vacuums that do the vacuuming for you. You don't even have to do anything. You just push a button. Everything's run by chips, and because of the shortage, they can't make enough. That's just with a console. Imagine what it's going to look like in the days of tribulation. The devastation. And then we have the third trumpet, which was, it says, a great star falls from heaven and fell into the water, causing a third of rivers and springs of water to become bitter. And, and, and what that literally means is bitter taste in the stomach. So people who are alive during that time, when they go to get water, it's going to leave such a sour and bitter taste in their stomach. It's going to make them sick. And because of that, many people will die. The fourth trumpet it says a third of the sun, moon, and stars were struck, which will cause a third of the day to be darkened. That may seem like that's the least, like, okay, I'll go for that one. I like that trumpet out of the other ones. But we don't realize how much light and, and, and darkness have an effect on our minds. You know, I, I used to work an overnight job before I moved here, and I had to strategically, we had a separate spare room. And when I came home and got home at 7.30 in the morning, I had to use blackening curtains and literally put tape over the windows because if there was any ounce of light coming in, my body's telling me that I shouldn't be sleeping. Right. And that's what I, I had to adjust to that. And it affected me a lot. What, there's, what this is saying is when that trumpet sounds, all the sources of light are going to be darkened by a third. And that's going to affect everyone psychologically. I shared again with the first service, my, my youngest, Abby, who has, you know, her little attitude she can have sometimes. Um, the summer, it's so hard to get them into bed. Why? Because it's lighter later. They, they go by the, the light. And so Tara was out somewhere, and I was doing her bedtime routine. So she was sitting and reading, and I said, you know, Abby, it's time for you to go get ready for bed. Go brush your teeth. She looks at me, and she looks out the window, and she furrows her brow, and she goes, the sun is still shining. And I said... I know it's still shining, but I said, you need to go brush your teeth, it's bedtime. And then she got up and she literally put her hips like this and she goes, the sun is still shining. And she points out the window at the sun. And I, so I finally, I say, well, Abby, you need to realize that in the summer, I, and then I said, you know what, forget this. I said, go get your toothbrush and get into bed. And then she did it. I'm not going to argue and give her, you know, a science lesson at her bedtime. But it's just funny how we operate. So we don't even realize that at this trumpet, it doesn't sound that bad, but it's still going to affect people. And guys, we're only on the fourth trumpet. So this morning, we're going to look at the next two, and then we're going to focus on those last two verses. So I want to read through Revelation 9. And just so you guys have an idea, we don't have time to go and spend on all of these trumpets, but we're going to kind of just give the overview. But we want to talk about how repentance now can affect the church right now. Amen? And how that can shift things. So if you're with me, I'm going to read the last verse in chapter 8, verse 13, and then we're going to go right through Revelation 9. You guys there? Hopefully you have your Bibles. It'll be up on the screen as well. Then I looked and I heard an eagle crying with a loud voice as it flew directly overhead. Woe, woe, woe to those who dwell on the earth at the blast of the other trumpets that the three angels are about to blow. That's not a good sign. We just read those other trumpets that did devastation across the globe, and now they're saying these next three are going to be even worse. Revelation 9, and the fifth angel blew his trumpet, and I saw a star fallen from heaven to earth, and he was given the key to the shaft of the bottomless pit. 
He opened the shaft of the bottomless pit, and from the shaft rose smoke like the smoke of a great furnace. And the sun and the air were darkened with the smoke from the shaft. Then from the smoke came locusts on the earth, and they were given power like the power of scorpions of the earth. They were told not to harm the grass of the earth or any green plant or any tree, but only those people who, did, who do not have the seal of God on their foreheads. They were allowed to torment them for five months, but not to kill them. And their torment was like the torment of a scorpion when it stings someone. And in those days, people will seek death and will not find it. They will long to die, but death will flee from them. In appearance, the locusts were like horses prepared for battle. On their heads were what looked like crowns of gold. Their faces were like human faces, their hair like women's hair, and their teeth like lion's teeth. They had breastplates like breastplates of iron, and the noise of their wings was like the noise of many chariots with horses rushing into battle. They have tails and stings like scorpions, and their power to hurt people for five months is in their tails. They have as a king over them the angel of the bottomless pit. His name in Hebrew is Abaddon, and in Greek he is called Apollyon. The first woe has passed. Behold, two woes are still to come. My goodness. Man, if we had the time just to talk about that trumpet and how crazy that's going to be for people. You know, locusts are known as devourers. They can rip through crops in a matter of a day, destroying vegetation for hundreds of square miles. But something about these creatures is so different. They actually have, they're not going to be going after vegetation. They're going to be going after people. And they're going to be tormenting them. This, it, it, it's not just the physical pain. This is psychologically people are going to be going mad because they're not going to be able to sleep. These things will be breaking through windows and homes and will be constantly tormenting them for five months. This is going to drive people mad. We've never seen anything like this before. But it goes on to say in verse 13, Then the sixth angel blew his trumpet, and I heard a voice from the four horns of the golden altar before God, saying to the sixth angel who had the trumpet, Release the four angels who are bound at the great river Euphrates. So the four angels who had been prepared for the hour and the day, the month, and the year were released to kill a third of mankind. The number of mounted troops was twice 10,000 times 10,000. This is the largest number ever recorded in the Bible, right here in this verse. I heard their number, and this is how I saw the horses in my vision and those who rode them. They wore breastplates the color of fire and of sapphire and of sulfur, and the heads of the horses were like lion's heads, and fire and smoke and sulfur came out of their mouths. By these three plagues, a third of mankind was killed by the fire and smoke and sulfur coming out of their mouths. A third of mankind was wiped out. Verse 19, for the power of the horses is in their mouths and in their tails, for their tails are like serpents with heads, and by means of them they wound. And these are the last two verses that we're really going to focus on this morning, is the rest of mankind who were not killed by these plagues did not repent of the works of their hands, nor give up worshiping demons and idols of gold and silver and bronze and stone and wood, which cannot see or hear or walk, nor did they repent of their murders, or their sorceries, or their sexual immorality, or their thefts. You would think that the greatest tribulation to hit the globe would force people to repent, wouldn't you? But in this time of tribulation, there is not going to be this massive harvest of souls. There's still opportunity for people to repent, but what the word of God is telling us is despite all of this, those who do not have the seal of God on their forehead will not repent. 
What does that mean? People who are not living according to the word of God will look up to heaven. They will say, I refuse to change the way I live. Genuine, genuine repentance is recognizing that our lives are not lined up with the word of God and coming to Jesus and telling him that and then leaving and going and changing our lifestyles. Repentance can happen in a moment, but sometimes the change can take a lifetime. And we have to keep coming back yes. to the feet of Jesus. Amen. We want to talk about how devastating this tribulation is going to be, these uh, trumpets. The population of the world, and this is just to give you a, a, a mindset of how devastating this is going to be. The population right now, as of 2021, is 7 billion, uh, 7 trillion, 800, billion, 846 million. So 7.8 billion people are alive right now on planet Earth. So think about that. That's a lot of people. Out of the two, one, the fourth seal and the sixth trumpet, over half of the population will be wiped out. We've read a lot of seals and we've read a lot of the trumpets, but just those two will wipe out over half of the population. So the fourth seal will wipe out a fourth of mankind. So that'll be 1,961,500,000 lives gone just from the fourth seal. The remaining population will be 5,884,500,000. The sixth trumpet will wipe out a third of mankind. So that'll be, again, another 1,961,500,000. So the remaining population, so we just said right now, as of 2020, if the tribulation happened right now, would be 7.8 billion. Just with those two times of judgment, the fourth seal and the sixth trumpet, the population will go from 7.8 billion to 3.9 billion. This is, again, just to show you by scale the massive amounts of things that are going to happen during this time. And thank God that that time is not yet. You shared a few weeks ago when I spoke on the seals. Do you remember Ebenezer Scrooge? And he had that little visit from the ghost of Christmas future. And he was so devastated by what was going to happen, but it didn't happen yet. He still had time to change. And he said to the Christmas ghost, why would you show me this if there still wasn't hope? John is seeing something and he's showing it to the church now. And there's still hope, church. While many people won't repent during that time, we as the church need to be in a spirit of repentance in these last days. Because when we repent, it gives God time to fill us with what he needs so that we can walk in the calling that he has for our lives. Amen? Does that make sense? Are you still with me? Repentance is not something terrible that we need to avoid. It's something that we as a church need to embrace. So three things quickly that should make us rush to the feet of Jesus. We should be every week we meet on Sundays, every time we meet on Wednesdays, when you have prayer times in your homes, we should be having times of repentance. And when we know who Jesus is, we're not going to shy away from it. We're going to do it. We're going to just do it. We're going to come to the feet of Jesus. We're going to come when pastor calls us for prayer on Sunday mornings. We don't just do that to make it part of the agenda. We want to put ourselves in a place where we understand and can hear God's word. When we're living in sin, when we're not living according to what God has called us to live, you will miss what the word of God is saying. And so we have to be in a spirit of repentance. So number one, these people were serving idols that could not see, that could not hear, and that could not walk. But we serve a savior who can see us, who can hear us, and who walks with us. And that should drive us to repentance, shouldn't it? 
Number one is Jesus sees us. The number one reason why we should always have a heart of repentance is because Jesus sees us. Tara gave a powerful message, how many of you enjoyed, about the woman who had the disabling spirit, who was bent over, and Jesus restored her life. One of the first things she said in Luke 13, 12, it says, when Jesus saw her, he called her over and said to her, woman, you are freed from your disability. Some of you have disabilities now. Some of you have sickness right now. My mom has cancer. She's had two heart attacks. She had COVID. And I've had conversations with her, and she still believes that God is going to bring healing in her life. And God has kept her up to this point because he's been faithful in her life. Jesus sees our situations. She still believes. She's had her frustrations with the cancer, believing God to heal it, and it hasn't happened yet, but she's still seeking God. God sees you in your situations that haven't changed yet. You have to understand that. He saw this woman from afar and he called her over and he healed her in a moment. But she was living with this disease for a long time. Some of you in here haven't seen changes to your situations, but you have to know that Jesus sees you this morning. He sees us. He is not someone who doesn't see us or hear us or move on our behalf. He is a God who sees and that should make us rush to his feet in repentance. Amen? John 8, 10 through 11, we have this powerful story of a woman who was caught in sin. There's nothing worse than being caught in sin, that feeling of shame that you have. This woman was sleeping with another man who was married, caught in adultery. The law said she'd have to die. But we have this powerful encounter where Jesus saw her. Natural men looked at her and saw an adulterer and were ready to kill her. But Jesus, our Savior, looked at her, and in verse 10 says, Jesus stood up and said to her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? And she said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said, Neither do I condemn you. Go, and from now on, sin no more. Part of repentance is feeling bad and feeling guilty. And many people come and they feel bad about their sin, but they walk out of this door and walk out of this church building and drive off of this lot, and they change nothing about their life. Repentance is not just feeling bad, it's changing things. It's turning around and allowing God to give you a different perspective. Whatever you're struggling with this morning, apply that to what you're struggling with. You need to figure out what do I need to get rid of? Who do I need to stop hanging around with? What do I need to cut out in order to have change in my life? God can do the miraculous, but we've got to meet him halfway. I love what Pastor said uh, and as he was exhorting about the supernatural. We have to do something in the natural, but God brings the super to it. And when we have that heart of repentance, God sees that and he honors it and he wipes our slate clean. Isn't that crazy? The one person who knows everything about us and should limit us because of what we've done and what we said offers us a clean slate every time we repent. Like, think about that. That's what repentance is, church. We don't run from repentance. We run to it. And we allow God to wipe our slate clean so that we can do what he's called us to do. Amen? Amen. But some of you in here might still have hard hearts. Sin hardens the heart. Repentance breaks it up. Amen? Amen? We have a God who sees us in everything that we do. Number two is Jesus hears us. There's no greater thing than to be heard. We've seen a lot of stuff happen the past year and a half and people want their voices to be heard. People want to be heard. We want to be heard, don't we? We want to see change. We have a God who hears us. 
And so many people are jumping on social media and, and blasting what they want to say, the changes. That, when you just, need to, you just need to get in your room and close the door and talk to God. We just need to get in that place where we talk to us because he hears us. Maybe you're a newer Christian, you just started coming to the church, and prayer is weird to you because no one's responding. But I want you to look to the people in this church who have walked with God for many years and who have lived a life of prayer, and they will tell you testimony after testimony of how faithful God has been. Prayer works, and we need to be in that environment. King David knew that. And look what he did. You know, in Revelation 9.21, it talks about some of the sins that these people were dealing with. Two of them were, it says they did not repent of their murders or sexual immorality. David was a king who committed murder and sexual immorality. Sexual immorality in the Greek is pornea, where we get the word pornography. And it, and it doesn't just entail adultery. Sexual immorality encompasses a lot of different things. There's a long list. And so those are one of the things that we need to be repentant of. David, who was king, murdered someone and committed sexual immorality. But what did he do when he got found out? He went into the house of the Lord and he prayed. If you read Psalm 51, if you ever feel stuck, if you've done something that's not right, you need to read Psalm 51 and see the raw heart of David. He spills himself out before the Lord and God hears him. There were consequences still in his life because of what he did, but God didn't strip him of his title. God didn't strip him of the promises that, that the Messiah would come through his lineage. He still restored all those things to David. You have to understand that you may have done things in your life and there's going to be consequences. For example, if you're a reckless driver, and the lovely state of reliance comes and says, I'm taking your license for a year. You can repent before the judge and maybe you'll get mercy, but maybe you need a year off from driving your car. Sometimes things won't change like that. Maybe get to know some Uber drivers during that time. In the natural things, sometimes we do have to have discipline. There are consequences. But in the spiritual realm, when we repent, God restores. God renews. Amen? So we need to be in prayer because we have a God who hears us. If you're going through something right now, at the end of the service, we're going to take some time to pray over you guys here at the altars. But you have to know that God hears you, even if your situation is not changing. We have another um, character in the Bible, a blind man in Luke 18, 35 through 43. I'm not going to read the verses just because of time. But he's sitting by the roadside begging, and he heard that Jesus was coming by. So what did he begin to do? He began yelling out for God to come. What a powerful scene this must have been. Embarrassing. I have more of a low-key, you know, personality. I'm learning to be a little bit more assertive. But this man didn't care because he was dealing with a sickness. And when he heard that someone was coming by that could heal him, he began to shout and he began to yell. And what happened? People began to tell him to be quiet. They began to tell him, you're embarrassing yourself. Stop screaming. Stop yelling. Many of you in here have stopped praying. You've stopped seeking God because you haven't seen a change. Sometimes we go through seasons where we don't see a change because God is testing our faith. How loud are you going to yell? How long are you going to yell? And what I love that Jesus did is this man yelled even louder. And in the scriptures, it says that when Jesus heard him, in the scripture, it says he didn't tell them to bring him over. It says he commanded them to bring him over. And when he came over, Jesus said, what do you want? And he said, I want to see. And Jesus healed him in that moment. Whatever situation you're going through right now, you have to understand that Jesus hears you. But there are many voices telling you to shut up, to keep quiet. Don't embarrass yourself. Don't come to the altar. Don't make yourself look like a fool. 
but we have to learn as Christians to push past those and get to our place of deliverance. Amen? Jesus hears us, and that's why we need to chase after repentance now, church. Tara, I'm going to have you come up as I just go through the last and final point. Jesus walks with us. He walks with us, doesn't he? Jesus is so good. If you don't know Jesus this morning or you only know of him, it's probably a reason why you're still stuck where you are. But if you begin to understand who Jesus is in your life and you learn how to repent, you learn how to trust him with all of your stuff, that's when he can come and begin to do a work in your life. Amen? How many of you in here by a raised hand wants Jesus to come and change your mindset? How many of you in here want to see your life changed? Repent. Learn how to repent. Jesus walks with us. Hosea, Hosea 11 is such, a, it's such an intimate chapter, but it really shows us the heart of our Father. Look what Jesus, look what God is saying to his people Israel. He says in verse 1 of Hosea 11, When Israel was a child, I loved him, and out of Egypt I called my son. The more they were called, the more they went away. Parents, can I get an amen? The more we call Abby, the more she goes away. We're willful at heart. We want to do our own thing. How many of you have a brother and sister that's willful? How many of you are you that sister or brother that's willful? We got some honest people in here. That's the first step towards repentance. But he goes on to say, the more they were called, the more they went away. They kept sacrificing to the Baals and burning offerings to idols. God called them, he provided for them, and he kept showing them promises, but they kept walking away from God. But did God turn his back? Look what he says in verse 3. Yet it was I who taught Ephraim to walk. This is such a powerful, intimate thing because if you're a parent or you've ever babysat children that are small, isn't one of the most powerful things to see kids learning how to walk? To see them shaking, to see them, you know, trying to do it on their own? When, when Maddie and Abby started walking, you would just hold them. They would hold my fingers and they would just walk, pulling on me, using me as their strength, thinking they're doing it on their own but we were there with them, guiding them. Now that they can walk, Abby will say to me, I don't want to hold your hand. She's misindependent. And sometimes in our spiritual life, we do that with God. He's always been there from the beginning. He's been there through our muscle development. He's been there through the beginning stages of our Christianity where we kept running back to other things. And it goes on to say, look, I took them up by their arms, but they did not know that I healed them. I led them with cords of kindness, with the bands of love, and I became to them as one who eases the yoke on their jaws, and I bent down to them and fed them. The nation of Israel had a constant, constant issue with idolatry. They walked through seasons of consequences because of that idolatry, and sin does bring consequences, but God always extended his hand of forgiveness to them, and he always restored them. And maybe this morning you just, you're looking at the pileup of all your sins. You know, flash drives can hold a lot of information. This one I think is four gigabytes, but I have one that's 32 gigabytes. That can hold thousands of files. And some of you in here have flash drives of thousands of files of past sins and things that you're just discrediting yourself with doing anything for God. Some of you maybe aren't even serving. We have so many areas in the church where people can serve and maybe because you've discredited yourself because of your sin, you don't feel like you can serve. When you repent before God, 
He takes all of that stuff and he wipes it clean. What a powerful, powerful thing. Shouldn't we be repenting as a church on a daily basis? I want to have a clean slate every day of my life. And we can have it when we learn how to repent before our Savior. John 3.16, one of the most well-known verses. Many people know it by heart, but there's so much after that verse too that ties it in. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Jesus did not come to condemn you. That's what the word of God says. He's come to save you. So let him do it. Could you stand with me this morning? Verse 18 goes on to say, whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the Son of God. Verse 19, and this is the judgment. The light has come into the world and people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. That's something natural, church. When we are in sin, we don't naturally want to be in the light because it exposes it. But what repentance does is it exposes it. Amen? Bernard, if you could just turn off that keyboard over there. There's that feedback coming in. Just mute it for a second. Thank you. Verse 20 says, For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light, so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. Isn't that powerful? You can choose this morning if you want to repent. Everything that you've ever done, anything that you have said to people, anything that you've done to people physically, you have a flash drive this morning that God can delete, God can erase. Amen? What does true repentance look like? Acts 19, we have a church where it says, and a number of those who had practiced magical arts brought their books together and burned them in the sight. powerful they didn't just feel bad they didn't just feel bad they did something about it they burned what they were using in the past what do you have to delete what do you have to get rid of in life to move on it actually costs them something repentance costs us something this morning if you have gone through things in your life and you feel like I want to operate on a clean slate starting today. Could you move out of your seats and just come to these altars? Don't think about it, but if you wanna have a clean slate in your life, we're gonna ask you to come forward right now. We don't have enough USB drives for everybody, but there's a spiritual USB that God wants to plug in. Don't allow the sin to harden your hearts to keep you where you are. Don't allow the enemy to continue to have that control over your life. You can repent this morning and start with a clean slate. I want to end with a story. This is a story called The Room by Joshua Harris. And it depicts what Jesus did for us. In that place between wakefulness and dreams, I find, found myself in a room. There were no distinguishing features except for the mysterious array of black filing cabinets. 
They were like the ones in libraries that list titles by author or subject in alphabetical order. But these files, which stretched from floor to ceiling and seemingly endlessly in either direction, had very different headings. As I drew near the wall of files, the first to clutch, catch my attention was one that read, Girls I Have Liked. I opened it and began flipping through the cards, and I quickly shut it, shocked to realize that I recognized the names written on each one. And then without being told, I knew exactly where I was. This lifeless room with its small files was a crude catalog system for my life. Here were written the actions of my every moment, big and small, in a detail my memory couldn't match. A sense of wonder and curiosity coupled with horror stirred within me as I began to randomly open files and exploring the con content. Some brought joy and sweet memories, others a sense of shame and regret, so intense that I would look over my shoulder to see if anyone was watching. A file named Friends was next to one marked Friends I Have Betrayed. The titles ranged from the mundane to the outright weird. Books I have read, lies I have told, comfort I have given, jokes I have laughed at. Some were almost hilarious in their exactness, things I've yelled at my brothers. Others I couldn't laugh at, things I have done in my anger things I have muttered under my breath at my parents. I never ceased to be surprised by the contents. Often there were many more cards than I expected and sometimes fewer than I hoped. I was overwhelmed by the sheer volume of the life I had lived. Could it be possible that I had the time in my 20 years to write each of these thousands or even millions of cards? Each, but each card confirmed the truth. Each was written in my own handwriting, each signed with my signature. When I pulled out the file marked songs I have listened to, I realized the files grew to contain their contents. The cards were packed tightly, and yet after two or three yards, I hadn't found the end of the file. I shut it, shamed, not so much by the quality of the music, but more by the vast amount of time I knew that file represented. When I came to a file marked lust, I felt a chill running through my body. I pulled the file out only an inch, not willing to test its size, and drew out a card. I shuddered at its detailed content. I felt sick to think that such a moment had been recorded. An almost animal rage broke on me. One thought dominated my mind. No one must ever see these cards. No one must ever see this room. I have to destroy them. In an insane frenzy, I yanked the file out. Its size didn't matter now. I had to empty it and burn the cards. But as I took it at one end and began pounding it on the floor, I could not dislodge a single card. I became desperate and pulled out a card only to find it was as strong as steel when I tried to tear it. Defeated and utterly helpless, I returned the file to its slot. Leaning my forehead against the wall, I let out a long self-pitying sigh. And then I saw it. The title bore people I have shared the gospel with. The handle was brighter than those around it, newer, almost unused. I pulled on its handle and a small box, not more than three inches long, fell into my hands. I could count the cards it contained on one hand. And then the tears came. I began to weep sobs so deep that they started in my stomach and shook through me. I fell on my knees and cried. I cried out of shame from the overwhelming shame of it all. The rows of file shelves swirled in my tear-filled eyes. No one must ever know, no one must ever know of this room. I must lock it up and hide the key. But then I pushed away the tears and I saw him. No, please not him. Not here. Anyone but Jesus. I watched helplessly as he began to open the files and read the cards. I couldn't bear to watch his response. And in the moments I could bring myself to look at his face, I saw sorrow deeper than my own. He seemed to intuitively go to the worst boxes. Why did he have to read every one? 
Finally, he turned and looked at me across the room. He looked at me with pity in his eyes, but this was a pity that didn't anger me. I dropped my head, covered my face with my hands and began to cry again. He walked over and put his arm around me. He could have said so many things, but he didn't say a word. He just cried with me. Then he got up and walked back to the wall of files. Starting at one end of the room, he took out a file and one by one, began to sign his name over mine on each card. No, I shouted, rushing at him. All I could do was find to say was no, no, as I pulled the card from him. His name shouldn't be on these cards, but there it was written in red, so rich, so dark, and so alive. The name of Jesus covered mine. It was written with his blood. He gently took the card back. He smiled a sad smile and began to sign the cards. I heard him close the last file and walk back to my side. He placed his hand on my shoulder and said, it is finished. I stood up and he led me out of the room. There was no lock on its door. There were still cards to be written. This morning as we pray, we've gone through a time of tribulation, maybe not the magnitude of what's going to happen, but tribulation will do a one of two things. It'll harden your heart even more to the things you're struggling with, or it'll force you to come to the feet of Jesus in repentance. And so as we pray this morning, these altars are still open. Most of you, all of you in here need repentance. But if we're not gonna make the moves towards it, you're gonna leave this place the same. Your situations are gonna stay the same. You're gonna look to God and say, I don't want to change the way that I wanna live. So I'm gonna count to three and then I'm gonna pray. And if you need to come forward and you need to spend some time at the feet of Jesus, then do that. One, two, three. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. We thank you that you are so loving and so kind that you give us a clean slate when we repent of our sins. Father, whatever the sins are this morning, whether it be sexual immorality, whether it be stealing God, whether, whether it be idolatry, looking and worshiping at other things, putting other things before you, whatever they may be, God, they can all be covered by the blood of Jesus. And I pray that as people come this morning, as they repent and speak out the things that they do, I pray that it wouldn't just be feeling bad, but God, you would give them the wisdom of what they need to go back and destroy, what they need to go back and cut out. God, I pray for accountability to rise up in the men and women in this church. God, that they would come to the pastoral staff and the elders to seek prayer for the things that they're struggling with. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the freedom that comes when we repent before your presence, that we can leave all things before you, that we can trust you with all things because you've already seen it. We thank you that you hear our cries, God. We thank you that you've seen our tears. And most important, we thank you that you've chosen to come walk with us. You've stepped out of heaven so that you could walk amongst us, God. We pray that the people standing here this morning would feel your presence in such a mighty way. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. We're going to dismiss, but please, if you do want to talk, please do it out there. We're going to leave these altars open. If you need to just get on your feet before Jesus, if you need prayer, 